I'm back again this week with more wisdom from Carrie Kompakis. Be back in just a moment. This is Nero Feliciano, and welcome to the All Things Life podcast. I'm a wife, a mom of four, and a cognitive psychotherapist. And I'm really excited to share these conversations and interviews with you that will hopefully help you live a healthier, fuller, and more peaceful life. Well, happy summer, everyone. It is flying by, and I hope you're making time for you to enjoy the things that you enjoy. I spoke with a client a couple weeks ago who said to me, it's going by so fast, and I feel like I'm missing it. And it was just because her summer had been so hectic, going from one good thing to another, entertaining people. And she was tired. And we often say when we come back from a vacation, I need a vacation for my vacation. So it's important that we really make time, even in the busyness of this season, for rest, for downtime, to schedule the things that you enjoy so you don't feel like the summer's just flown by and you've missed it and back into the fall. And that's really important. And we talked about that a bit last week with Carrie Kompakis. And if you didn't hear that episode, go back to it. But this week, we share more about the parenting side of our lives. And again, so much wisdom. And it just helps to know that you're not alone. Even experts feel the ways that we do when we're raising kids. We make mistakes. We don't do things right. But there's always a path forward. So here is the rest of my conversation with author, speaker, podcaster, girl mom, Carrie Kompakis. Well, let's talk a little bit about Love Her Well. And I'll tell and I I had written you this email after I found it because I was just um in I had this day. And you know, I've worked with adolescents for 17 years. I I do mainly adults now, but I started even before then with adolescents. And I now I have my own, now I have and it's <laughs> and it's different. And I remember just saying to my husband, and my oldest, she's such a good kid and mm-hmm. and no drama and just she's always been this way, responsible. And we were going through this phase. And I said to my husband, I cannot do enough for her. Anything I do is not enough. There's always more. And there's, we're not, I'm not getting anything back, you know? And it's, it's, it's kind of a, um, this hard reality when you get to those moments in your life, one, when you realize, okay, I am expecting something back, right? This right. is, this is not as unconditional as I thought, but when you are investing everything you have and you're not even getting that love or gratitude or affection or whatever it is back. And I, I've talked about this in session for years, but it yes. was different um, <laughs> experiencing it. And I was thinking, oh my yeah. gosh, is this like for the rest of teenager dumb, you know, that this yes. is what it's going to be. And oh, I said, you know I totally what? Get I, it. I need to find a book. I need to find a book that is specifically on teenage girls. Um, and I went to Amazon and I Googled and your book came out, your book was out, came up and you had an audio sample on there really? and literally it was like, you were talking to me. Everything oh. you said at that moment was everything that I needed to hear. Like God used you on Amazon. So really? in that oh. moment. And I, I thought, oh my gosh, yes. Because you said there are going to be times you're parenting where you get nothing back. Mm-hmm. You get nothing back and just hang in there, hang in there. And this is yeah. part of it. Um, and just to hear from someone who now has older girls um, yes. and good relationships with them to hear you say that. And then I got yes. your book and then I read it and I thought, oh my gosh, every 
<laughs> girl of mom, every mom of girls needs to read this book. So, um, um no, it was so helpful. So let me ask you, I mean, four girls, mm-hmm. what do you feel like? And this is a very broad question. So take it wherever you want. What do you feel like okay. is the hardest part of being a girl mom or some of the hard parts? Ooh, you know, I think, I guess having four, what I'm constantly thinking of is they're all so different and to not know what works for one might not be what works for another. And so somebody best described it at one time that she's like, each child is like a mystery box and it's our job as parents to uncover that mystery. And so that's what, with my girls, I'm always trying to think at this stage, like I said, they, they're, they're expanding, their world is getting bigger. And so as moms were like, okay, how can I be part of this world? You know, how can I stay connected to them? And so I think it's, I'm constantly thinking, what do they need? How can I support them? I mean, not enable them, you know, but I'm trying to empower them, but just, you know, what can I do to support them? And so, you know, like my daughter's at camp right now training for a counselor. But, you know, when we get back from a family trip this summer, she should be going right back to college. And so I'm already trying to think about, okay, I'm setting aside those days to help move her in. I'm going to set aside some time to go to target with her to support her. And so I was like, these are things that she still needs from me at this, in this season of life. And so I think it's just when we look at, you know, basically just asking them, what can I do to help? You know, I think that's the the best thing that we can give our children, whether they're 18 or 28 or or 35. Yeah. It's like, what can I do to help you? And how can I pray for you? And just really being that support that they need. Um, but I, I can say, you know, that book is really special to me because I remember feeling all those feelings that you felt, especially when it's your first child. You're like, if this is the rest of my life, I'm just, I'm kind of sad. I'm not going to make it. <laughs> I'm, you I'm know? not going to yeah. make it. Yeah. yeah. And like you said, it's not, a, my love is not as unconditional as I thought. Mm-hmm. And I do think that that's why we need our friendships. That's why we need to invest in our marriage. If we're married, you know, go to therapy. If we, if we need therapy, like don't shy away from any of that because we've got to do things that fill us up because right. if we're they not can't getting be your all in all, they can't no. be all. And that, that no. was really my big lesson. I was like, I was relying on them. And I'm like, you know, if I'm relying on my children to love me back and I see parents, this is where it shuts down so often. Well, I, I invited my teenager to do something twice and they turned me down. So they just quit inviting them. I'm like, you can't, yeah. you're the adult, you're the parent. So you got to, that's why we need our friends who love us and empower us and keep us strong because you might not be getting it at home for a time being. And a lot of times it's nothing to do with you. It's just your child is wrapped up in their own life. And right. remember yourself as a teenager, like my mom was thinking a lot more about me than I was thinking about her. You yeah. know, I was not thinking, is my mom happy today? Do right. have a good relationship? <laughs> am, I, am I hurting her feelings? Like you're just never immature. crossed your mind and never, never crossed, crossed mind. my mind. No. And it really, there were things that I did not realize about my mom until she passed away a few years ago. And it really changed my parenting. And I'm like, gosh, you know what? I'm looking back. She kept loving me even when I was salty, even mm. when I wasn't loving her back. I mean, she just kept consistently loving me. And I realized how much inner strength it took for her to do that. And I'm like, I'm like, wow, she had more inner strength than I ever gave her credit for. And I was like, I want my kids to realize that about me one day, that even if they're, they're salty or they're giving me the eye that I will kiss them. I will say, I love you. Or, you know, give them a hug. And if they're not hugging me back and just one day when they're adults, you know, they're going to think very differently when they're 40 than they do when they're 16 and their brain's not developed. But, you know, the hope is one day they're going to be like, wow, my mom really loved me to keep loving me. Even when I was acting that way, even at my worst through all of that. And I think that's how we model God's love for our children. And ultimately the whole premise behind love her well, is that, you know, we're called to love our children, like God loves us. And we're called to pursue their heart, regardless of whether they're responding or, you know, loving us back today. And it's so hard to do that. And so really that's, again, goes back to our faith. And that's why we've got to have the, the spirit of God in us and that relationship with him, because if we are resting in him and filling up on his peace and his love and his wisdom and really feeling all that love that he feels for us, 
it's going to equip us to go and love our children in a way that hopefully one day they will respond. And I have found that they do respond as they get older. I mean, like, I think the hardest years is probably the 13, 14 years old. Yep. Um, of course, there's more issues when they're 15, 16, you're arguing over dating or, you know, parties or whatever they're, they're wanting to do. But I do think that those initial years into the teenage years are the hardest ones. Mm. Um, but I can say like my daughter in college, like we joke that we're like, we talk even more now than we did when she was at home. I mean, she would FaceTime me all the time from college. And I thought the year was just going to be completely sad for me, but I, you know, I would FaceTime her. She's walking down campus and she had a 10 minute walk. And I'm like, I'm hearing her say, Hey, Samantha, Hey, Amy. And Hey, Janet. And I'm like, this is so fun. I'm getting to see her in this new world where she is so happy. I'm getting to witness this. And she's wanting to call me and get my advice on some things. And I just felt even closer to her then than I did even her senior year when she was just ready to go. And, um, and that has really, you know, inspired me to want to encourage those moms behind me that are in that hard place and to empathize because we were there too. I had those same worries, but I really believe if we keep loving our children, we keep, you know, becoming the grown up and the parent that God is wanting us to be that, you know, sooner or later, they're going to respond to our efforts. I love that. And, um, the question that you said, just what, what do you need? How can I help you? That, yes. I mean, that's the question that we would appreciate at 40 years old, if we still have exactly. our moms, right? Exactly. Um, and we, we should start asking it now at a very mm-hmm. young age, because that means a lot to them. And when I, I saw one of the things that you'd written about was try to find the one-on-one time. And it may be, you know, not necessarily um, an elaborate day planned or whatever, but little moments that you can steal with one child, well, ones at practice or you go mm-hmm. grab coffee or whatever it is. Um, but asking them, what do you need? Then, then we figure out how to spend time with them on their terms. And I yes. think a lot of times moms have this vision of how should we spend time together? What should we do? And it's really on our terms and right. it may not be what they want. So that question is really important in getting into their mind and understanding mm-hmm. what their needs are and, and also what their desires are, what their wants are. Yes, um, It can open up that world. So we know how to connect with them on their terms. Yeah. I mean, you know, we all know the stories. I feel like, especially moms and daughters that mm. either girls look forward to seeing their mothers or they dread seeing their mothers, they dread talking to them. And I just think that, you know, sometimes as they grow up, especially and that they have their own families, I think about, I don't want to be, I don't want to be a burden and I don't want them to dread me coming in town because they feel like they have to entertain me or whatever. Like I want to be a help to them. And I want to tell them you're doing an amazing job as a mom, you know, like, That's let right. me take the baby and take him to play time at the library. That's right. Or I'm, you know, I'm just going to go fold this laundry, like just those things that you wish somebody was able to do for you in this yeah. season of life, those, those little support, that support system. You know, I think that's what we can do as, as, as moms is just to just try to support them in whatever they're doing and to cheer them on. And I think that that keeps us engaged in their life. And it gives us that role. That's that's so important that only, you know, really only a mother's heart um, would want to do those things. But, right. but I think even, like I said, even in college, there's so many things. And even when I'm planning my work calendar, what I do is I plan all my girls things first. And so if my daughter's trying out for a team, like I, tr- I clear off that entire week because I know that's a stressful week. I know we're driving to coaches and she needs me to be mentally present and available. So I was like, I don't do any speaking events that week. I don't do any traveling around that. Like that is just cleared off. And so Um, I think just really being there for our kids when they need us and just knowing that, you know, whether it's a game that they have or a special event at school, just trying to be available to them and working our calendar around those big moments in their life shows them that they're a priority. That's so important. And I think, and that piece of it too, being mentally present, that's a challenge Mm -hmm. for us in this world. 
Because yes. I mean, you can, you can clear your schedule and still not be mentally present unless we're intentional right. about that. But I love that your daughter calls you from school and asks you for advice because mm-hmm. you've, you've laid the groundwork that she knows she can be supported by you. And I think oftentimes as moms, we create tension when we jump in to resolve and offer advice too soon. And that should really be the fourth or fifth thing that we do. I mean, it's first a lot of listening and empathy and then um, really helping that child to articulate how they're feeling before we then know how to advise them. And it sounds like you've done that because now your kids come to you knowing that they'll get the support that they need. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. And, you know, I learned my lessons the hard way, like every mom, but I remember, you know, especially when my kids are upset or crying, sometimes you want to like give a pep talk and rush them through it. That's my tendency is I, it makes me uncomfortable to see that. And so I've had to really learn to be like, okay, this is normal. And they're human, just like I am and to let them feel their feelings. But I remember one time my daughter telling me that I was trying to rush her through some feelings. And she was like, you know, I'm allowed to be upset over dumb things for five minutes. And I was like, you're right. Mm -hmm. And I need to give you the space to do that. And so I think, like I said, I think sometimes we just, we're so empathetic as moms, we're feeling their heartache and their emotions and it's uncomfortable for us. But um, I've heard this from a therapist too before that more comfortable we are with our awkward feelings or our hard feelings, the more able we are to sit with the hard feelings of somebody else. And so again, it goes back to why your job is so important that if we can get ourselves in a good place as moms, it's going to make us more effective as parents too. Mm -hmm. I love that. And that is so true. We can oftentimes when we are rushing someone and we see this in grief a lot, Mm -hmm. right? Trying to make someone feel better in that space when there's nothing we can do really to make them not feel the grief that they're feeling. Right. Our own discomfort with grief rather than just sitting there in the emotion but on some level, the same thing that happens with our kids. And I, I mean, I know all of this and I'm still guilty of that. I, know, I had the same I know. conversation with my daughter when they lost a soccer game. And, you know, I, I know that there was a lot in that, that she was going to take from it. Mm-hmm. Um, but she said the same thing to me. She goes, I, I can just be sad about this for a while. And I said, you're right. You're right. <laughs> you can. I'm sorry. Yes. Um, and and we were sad together about it for mm-hmm. a while and then got to the point because at that point they can't hear anything you're saying either if right, you're trying to move right. them through it. They're not, they're not capable, even, you know, neurobiologically when they're feeling that level of pain and emotion to be open mm-hmm. to the other piece of it. So yes. the sooner we can help them work it out, the sooner they'll get to that space where they can entertain other thoughts that will yes. help them. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. Um, okay. Is there anything that you see girl moms do repeatedly that make it harder to be a girl mom? I mean, that's one, one thing we just talked about right there, but is there anything that you, that, you know, that resonates with you that yeah, girl moms I think, do a lot? Well, I think one thing we do, and I think it's kind of unconscious and I saw it written by, in a book that Sissy Goff had written, mm. um, but it's something like basically moms often expect their daughters to be a perfected version of themselves. Mm. And that really struck me. I'm like, that's so true that I think, especially when it's your same sex child, that it's really easy to see them as your second chance, or of course you want them to be better than you were to do better than you were. And I think sometimes that can put unnecessary pressure on them. And, um, and also can lead to, to criticism. And sometimes we don't think we're criticizing. We think we're correcting them or we're teaching them these things they need to know as they go out into the world. And so that's one thing I've had to really learn in the teenage years is like, 
instead of like, you know, be, be a cat and not a dog. <laughs> like mm. instead of, sometimes we don't have to be so direct. Sometimes we can kind of save our, our timing for when it's a better time, but, and love her well, probably the, the biggest feedback I get from that mom, that book is moms tell me how they relate to chapter one. And that book, that chapter is choose your words and your timing carefully. That's right. And it's basically about how like a lot of girls think their moms are too critical of them. And that criticism can ruin the relationship. Mm. And again, I don't think, I think it's because we're critical of ourselves and we sometimes project that onto our daughters, but we've really got to be aware of that because it really can't hurt the relationship. And my story in the book, I mean, I, I share one of my daughter, I'm in the book with, I'm in the car with her and we're having this great day and this great conversation. And just one of those mother daughter conversations where you feel really close and we're singing to the radio, all of that. I don't want the conversation to end, but we get home, we park in the driveway. I look over at her, just savoring this connection. And all of a sudden the sunlight's on her face and I see that her acne is back mm. and it's, it's flared up and red. It's so all of a sudden my mind switch, switches to mom gear. And now I'm a, I start to ask her, have you been taking your acne medication? And I'd made that mistake a few months earlier. I, I remember stopping in the middle of a conversation and asking that and her t- face totally fell. And she told me, yes, I'm taking it. I know my face looks terrible. And so I was like, you know, I know my daughter, she's responsible. She is taking her medicine. Like, I don't have to remind her. We've been going to the dermatologist for months, trying to find a solution, trying all these different creams, putting kale in her eggs. I mean, we were trying everything and it just wasn't working. And so I was like, you know what? I'm not going to ruin that conversation we just had by asking that question. And I can ask her that later. I can check in on that later, but I don't want that to be the memory she remembers from this car ride. I want it to be Mm. that conversation and a sing into the radio. So I didn't say anything. And as she got out of the car, happy and just skipping to the door, I I realized I'd done the right thing. And so I think as moms, you know, my friend shared a story. She was like, my daughter made dinner for me one night and it was, it was beautiful. And I noticed that she'd put the forks and the knives in the wrong place. And she started to, to be like, oh, thanks, sweetie. This is so sweet. But, you know, this should go here. And she's like, I remembered your story and it stopped me because I was like, I knew that it would crush her. She was so proud of herself and what she had done for me. And so I think just those little moments as moms, just knowing that just because we have this thought or this correction that comes to mind, we don't have to yeah, offer it every it. single time. Yeah. yeah. And, and in that just, moment too, right? right. You can offer right. it at another time. Right. Not in and that so moment. for like the daughter, you know, it might be for the daughter instead of correcting her there, it might be. The next time, you know, you ask her to set dinner, you know, ask, set the plates and the silver at dinner, say, oh yeah, and you, you put the forks here and the knives here. So you're not even having to correct her, but you're teaching her that skill right. that you know that she might not quite get yet. That's right. That's right. I, I tell you that story stayed with me, the acne story. Mm-hmm. I remember reading it <laughs> because I used to do the same thing to my daughter. Right. And I Did would you? Say, yeah. And I would see her face fall. And mm-hmm. she'd get annoyed that I'd been asking because she too was frustrated by it and was doing everything that she could. So right. after reading your story, <laughs> I've been so careful about when I bring up that conversation, mm-hmm. you know, and sometimes she brings it up before I do, right? which is fine. You know, that's on her yes. terms, but yes. it, it's so true. It's choose your words carefully and the timing at which you share it. Yeah. Yes. Is, is everything. And that's, I mean, that's true for marriage too. It's true for relationships, yes. right? And, yes. Yes. Um, the timing of choosing those words for sure. Yeah. That's what even moms, I did a, a seminar online recently and the mom was asking me like, what do I do? My daughter has this friend who is really not a good friend to her and she doesn't quite see it yet. And you know, what do I do? And I was like, you know, one idea that I've, I've kind of found that can be helpful in a situation like that is instead of going directly and attacking that friend, you know, if you say something about a friend, 
if they really like that friend, they'll get defensive. That's and right. And all of a sudden you've shut down the conversation. Mm-hmm. And so, but I was like, a way to address that is to think of your life of a situation, a similar friend that you had. And just when you're driving in the car one day and you're talking about friendship or something like, like you know what I thought about the other day and share your story that's similar to her story. And then she might make a connection to her life just on what you shared about from your life. That's right. And so I think sometimes there are ways for us to do things as mom that are not so direct, direct. and overt, mm-hmm. but we're still getting the message across. And that's something that I don't, it doesn't come naturally for a lot of us. Cause I'm a very direct person. If, I'm, if I have a thought, I'm going to you know say what I think. And so it takes a little effort and a little mental thought before I actually do it. But I do think it can help the relationship and kind of keep the conversation from shutting down. And that specifically is an issue that a lot of moms face when they're kids are choosing friends that they're concerned about that are not like them. And one of the things that I've talked with my patients about is that even though there are these areas and and your child may be very aware that they are not aligned in those areas, other areas that they are and that Mm. they are connecting on and they're good. And it's important for us to at least validate that. Even if we don't want to reinforce the friendship, validate that. So they feel that they're understood. And it's even like that in abusive relationships between, you know, partners, romantic Mm. partners, right? That partner is not all bad all the time or that person right there. It's a dynamic where there's things that are good that keep them there. And it's important that we at least tell our kids that we see that. Yes. Oh, that's such a great point. Yes. It'd be like, I see why, you know, he compliments you or he, you know, sees this good, this good in you or expresses this. And that's something you really crave. Exactly. And have always, always, you've always appreciated that you've words of affirmation have always been your love language. So I can see. Yeah. That's 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 a beautiful way to do it. Otherwise they're just Mm -hmm. rejecting what you're saying because they feel that they're not understood. They feel that you don't understand why this friendship is meaningful to them in the beginning. So if we can validate first, then there might be a little crack that opens to, to share something, um, in terms of moving them in, in the right direction, if, if at all. But right. I, I think for moms, and I notice my husband sometimes is far more patient in these conversations mm-hmm. because we, we feel fearful. Yes. We feel fearful that our daughters and we identify closely because we're female, right. um, that they're going to make these mistakes that we want to prevent them from making that maybe we made or you know, really kind of steer their course to not have the regrets that we may have had. Or, you know, we want them to be strong, confident women. And this is something that is threatening that desire that we have for them. Whereas right. I feel like my husband can come in and because he doesn't identify, I mean, he's never been a female. So right, you know, right. he's really just listening and trying to learn what's going on here without projecting his own yes. experiences on them. So I've learned a lot in how he's stepped in, in those situations, Um, just trying to learn, just trying to learn. It's so true. And I think it's the mama bear in us. And I mean, Mm -hmm. thank God that we have mama bears that we have moms. I would much rather mom be engaged and maybe doing too much and trying to learn than not doing enough and not doing anything. So, um, but yeah, I do. I think it's that we are just programmed. I mean, I know sometimes my mind can go from zero to 90 in like two seconds as I'm projecting like, oh my gosh, this is going to lead to this and this, and then she'll be in jail. You know, it's like all <laughs> no. of a sudden you're imagining these yeah. worst case scenarios. Yeah. Like she didn't go to class to, she's going to be in jail. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or just, you know, this friend that you're not crazy about or whatever it is that, and I do think that's when we kind of get into that control mode and we forget mm-hmm. to like, you know what? 
we have a God, like we talked about, we have a God who loves them even more than I do, a God who wants them to have healthy friendships and healthy relationships. So maybe I should just go to him and ask him for some guidance on how to help her navigate that in a way that's not going to shut her down. That's right. And and a God who has the power to use all things for her Mm -hmm. good, right? Yes, yes. So not every decision has to be perfect. They can be woven into that plan in a way that we can't help them. So God can. So yeah, I think that's so important for us to keep in mind as we're watching it unfold, especially in ways that we didn't anticipate. Um, One of the things that I love that you say is don't compare your relationships with other girl moms. I I think that's huge. Yes. Yeah. And we do. I do too. Yeah, we do like, Oh, her daughter tells her everything. And my daughter doesn't tell me anything. And yeah. Mm -hmm. And again, and that can try to make us force certain situations that we're really not going to help anything. That's right. And we don't know the challenges they have now or that they're going to have down the line because of other ways that they parented. Um, and the journey is different. So I think that's just such a a wise thing. Um, I just have a couple more questions. What, what are you most proud of as a mom, as a girl mom? Ooh, I don't know if there's any single thing. I, th- I think I'm just most proud of my kids. I mean, they are not perfect by any means, but um, I just feel incredibly blessed. I mean, my husband and I were just talking about the other day. I just, like I said, it's by the grace of God. Anything that we've done right is by the grace of God and also by the grace of God that our mistakes, you know, didn't totally ruin them, that we always have hope through him. So um, that's probably what I'm most proud of is just maybe the things that I have done right only by his grace um, but it's just ho- hopefully helping them become the people they're meant to become. And I love how you said how there's been purpose to your mistakes yes. and that you've been able to use them to, to change things, but also to help other people who are going through it. Yeah. Especially now that I feel like a lot of my, the people that I'm writing for are younger than me. Mm-hmm. I really, even if I'm making mistakes today, I'm like, okay, it's not, a, it's not a waste. And I've, I've seen, I've been parenting long enough to know that one mistake is not going to run things forever. You know, that God is so much bigger than our mistakes and he knows we're making mistakes all the time. And that's what keeps us going back to him. But, um, but even our children, I'm like, it's good for them to see us admitting our mistakes because they need to admit their mistakes in life. And they're grown up in a world that tells you not to do that in a world that's telling you, you have to be perfect. And that's just not possible. And so I think that, you know, we're really, we're still pointing them to the Lord, even as we do make mistakes and tell them, okay, I I messed up here, but I'm going to do better next time. And just really building that honesty inside your home. I think it's going to help this next generation as well. I love that. And that has to be repeated. One mistake is not going to ruin their whole life. Yes. Absolutely. God's grace is so much bigger than any mistake. And I just have to constantly remind myself of that. But um, yeah. And I think just parenting with the belief in that and knowing that, um, you know, I I love the story of St. Augustine. I mean, he's one of the greatest saints of all times. I I think like 5 million of his words and writings still exist. And this was from like, 1400 years ago, but he was a wayward teenager. And I tell this to parents whose kids are off the rail. I'm like, don't give up hope. I mean, his mom prayed for him for 17 years. I mean, prayed for her, him to he come back to Christianity and he did. And then he ended up becoming one of the greatest saints of all times. And I think without St. Monica, we wouldn't have St. Augustine. That's and right. Like, could we pray for 17 years for a child who's off course, but God none of that was a waste, you know, that he still used it all for good. And I just think that's just such a testament to God's power. And it's so much bigger than what we're facing or worrying about today. 
That is such a powerful way to end this episode. And you say in your book, you write about 50 prayers for your teenage daughter. And I was reading through that and I thought this is incredibly helpful because we tend to pray the same things over and over again when it comes to praying for our kids. But Mm -hmm. this really opened the, um, just the channel in terms of the things that we can bring to God when it comes to our daughter. So that's a great list for anyone who has not seen this book. Thank you for sharing that. And thank you for being here and sharing your wisdom. And, and you are so inspiring and you give us hope that even through the mistakes and even through the decisions where we're not um, so proud of how we reacted, that, that there's hope and that there's grace and that, that God will use all of it and that he does love our children more than we do so we can trust him. Well, you're doing such important work and it's an honor to be here. And um, I've been looking forward to this conversation and I I loved every minute. So thank you for having me. Thank you. I seriously could talk to that woman for hours and just so pleasant in real life, as you heard on this podcast with so much wisdom. Really find her on social media, Carrie Kampakis, because she posts these little things all the time. And oftentimes I just come across it while I'm mindlessly scrolling on Instagram. And I think, oh my gosh, why did I need to hear that? And it was just at the right time. As many of you know, God works on Instagram too, just when you need it. And I've really found that with her writing. So thank you for tuning in again for the rest of this conversation. I hope you're having a great summer. And like I said at the beginning, please make time for rest so that you feel restored and replenished and you are enjoying your time. And I am going to do the same. I'm going to take a little break. You have been so patient with me this year through writing books and all of those things. As I've been taking breaks, just a little news. I'm going to be back on the Today Show on August 18th talking about how to deal with difficult people. So catch me there. I'm going to take a little break for our own family time and vacation after this podcast, but I will be back soon after Labor Day with so many episodes. I have a great lineup of people who I will be recording with over the next few weeks and just some insights of my own as I continue to navigate this new season in my life. So have a great week. Have a great few weeks. Be well, live full, and tune in right around Labor Day for the next new episode. Take care. Thanks for listening today. And if you have a second, go on the Apple Podcast app and rate this podcast. I want to know what you liked and what you didn't like and what you want more of. And connect with me. I'd love to hear from you on any of my social media at Nero Feliciano, the incidental therapist on Facebook and Nero Feliciano on Instagram. And you can also connect with me through my website, Nero Feliciano. So until the next time, have a great day. Be well and live full. Mm -hmm.